1 Samuel chapter 1. First Samuel chapter 1, verse 22. In First Samuel chapter 1, verse 22, we will find these words. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, Not until the child is weaned. Then I will take him that he may appear before the Lord and remain there forever. Today on this Mother's Day, I just want to talk to you from the thought. The mountain called motherhood. The mountain called motherhood. Lord, prepare me to be a saint. Chapter 1, verse 22. And the subject, the mountain called motherhood. In the context of verse 22, 
We have a story about a woman by the name of Hannah. On previous years, we have spoken on this subject and on this person. But we find a man that this story is really not about Hannah, but it's really about God. Is that all right, saints? But God uses individuals, amen, to illustrate, to present, to, to, to encapsulate attributes and characteristics of God. Amen. A mindset that God is looking for in his creation. More specifically, in his children at which he has redeemed in his own blood. I want you to know that Jesus didn't pay just a little bit for you and I. He paid it all. And so because he paid it all, amen, that if he went all the way in death, surely he will go all the way with us in life. Are y'all following me today? This, this story, amen, we go back to the mountain called motherhood. We have a woman in this text that when this story begins, she has no power to have a child. She is barren. But her life is not just complicated by that, but it's complicated about by other cultural issues of her day. The story opens up in verse 1 of chapter 1. It says, Now there was a certain man of Ramathaim Zophim of the mountains of Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuth, and Ephraimite. And he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other, Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. We, we are living in a time, we're living in a culture, we're living in an era, amen, where generations are coming onto the scene of women who have decided they're not going to have any children. And they're not bothered or bothered by that because they don't want to bring them into this cruel world. But we must travel back in time. We can't stay in the 21st century. We've got to go back to Old Testament times in the time in which Hannah lived. We've got to get it in, in, in its grammatical, its historical, and its cultural context. We've got to realize that in the day of Hannah, amen, if you didn't have children, amen, that was a blot 
on your record. There was an embarrassment, amen, to the, to the woman and to her husband. But when we look at this text, and you can read this in your spare time, we find that God blessed Hannah with a good husband. I, I want to stop there for a minute because in our times today, amen, there are a lot of bad or absent husbands. But all of the strain and the struggle that Hannah's happening with her own mountain, amen, she had a good husband. But the problem here is, even though he's a good husband, he's not her child. Are y'all following me? Even in this text, he says, you know, I, you know I, I, am I not better to you, Hannah, than two sons? Elkanah did all he could to make her life as wonderful as possible. He tried the best he could in spite of the circumstances. Amen. He didn't look down on her. He didn't marginalize her. He didn't push her aside because she couldn't have any children. Even though the culture looked down on it, Elkanah looked through the culture and he had true love for his wife. But the problem still stands that Elkanah was not her child. She wanted a child, y'all. Amen. And she wanted a child dearly. But to also make matters worse is in the culture of Elkanah's day among the Ephraimites, amen, polygamy, as we call it today, was okay. It, it, it was okay in the culture, but if you become Bible students of the law, amen, God spoke about this problem even then. Because you say, why didn't God do something about it? He did. He spoke in his word. He said, don't, get, don't have many wives because it brings about confusion and trouble. He said it in the law. But they didn't follow it. So people get messed up in the Bible when they see this and say, well, why did God allow this to be written. Everything that's written in the Bible, just because it's true, doesn't necessarily mean that it's right. Are y'all following me? So do the cultural has cultural norms, amen, and God allowed the writer of 1 Samuel to write it down, it doesn't mean that it's right, it just means that it's true. Are y'all following me? Because here in our contemporary Culture, amen. That's some things Christians are doing right now. Uh, that's true, but it ain't right. See, there's some Christians right now walking around here talking about this is my fiance, and they're using that as a cover up for shacking. Okay, let's just get it out there. We got Christians that are talking about fiancés and they ain't got ring on finger, but they laying up in the bed together in the house and ain't married. Amen. Amen. But the culture is saying, oh, that's all right. That's okay, but it ain't all right with God. And so you have to ask the same question. If God didn't do nothing about it in here, like rain down lightning from heaven and burn up some folks, if he did it then, he'd do it now too. Amen. So we have to ask the same question today. Why ain't God just knocking folks out? 
But God has spoken in his word. God is so big. God don't have to come down and herd cats all the time. He ain't got to do it like that. He done already told us. Amen. And he said that there is a, a ramification. Amen. For sin. See, we may not see God operating. Amen. But he is. It may look on the outside like everything is going so well. But God will not mock whatever a man sows, that he also will reap. Now look at the trouble in Elkanah's house. Elkanah was a good man, amen, but because of the cultural norms and him following that, he's got a problem in his house. He got a big problem. He got a problem that probably by now he's gray-headed. Completely, amen. Because he got two women in his house that are fighting one another. Now that's bad news right there. Day in and day out. Can you see it, Sister West Paul? Can you see a Penina walking around there with the kids? And slowly walking by Hannah's room. Looking at Hannah and looking at the kids. I got mine, girl. How about you? Right? Just rough. Elkanah pulling his hair out and trying to keep Hannah happy and trying to keep Penina happy and Penina giving Hannah trouble. Amen. A problem. The mountain called motherhood. And even in our contemporary context, amen, a lot of times the women get busters, as I call them, and they run off. Amen. Once the woman is pregnant, they gone. Now she's left to take care of the child and raise the child on her own. But even when a woman gets a good man, amen, there's always that penina. There's always that one trying to get in there with her husband at, amen. It's a problem, amen. amen. And you say, hey, well, that's on the husband, but remember that the tempter came. Huh? Uh-uh, you don't have to go to trouble. Trouble will come to you. Amen. So, so here we are with this woman, amen, who, who could not have child, amen. But in her heart, she deeply desired a child, amen. So she, she, she prayed unto the Lord as we move on in this text. She prayed to the Lord and she prayed with the fullness of her heart. She poured out her heart so in such anguish and such grief. That the prophet, amen, Eli, amen, the priest, the high priest at that time, amen, looked and said, woman, what's wrong with you? He said, she, she, she praying, I think, but she ain't saying nothing. Her lips are moving. Uh, uh, why are you here, drunk? Can't, can't you, uh, like, come to the temple and, you know, be sober? And she said, no, my Lord, uh -uh, I'm not... I'm not drunk. I'm just, I'm in such anguish over this issue of not being able to have a child. So I'm pouring my heart out to the Lord. See, there's times when you're going through so much, Sister Shepherd, that you can't articulate things. You can't go to Webster's Dictionary and find words to, to, to articulate how you're feeling down in the inside. Sometimes your lips just got to quiver. Because stuff is going on so deep, you can't find words. Amen? And that's where Hannah was. But God heard. Because, see, God doesn't necessarily have to have sound in order to hear. 
He can hear in our minds. God can unravel thoughts that we can't even find words to express. Amen. Amen. He understands because he's the great architect and the creator of all things. Amen. He does everything and he does it well, Deacon Johnson. So she cried out to the Lord and God heard her sincere prayer. And God blessed her with a son. God blessed her with a son and she called him Samuel. But in the midst of this, amen, she promised God in her prayers, if you just give me a son, I will give him to you forever. Just give me a son that I can see. And I'll sacrifice him to you, oh God. He don't have to hang around at my house all the time. And I don't have to do that. But I know that he lives. And that I can tell other folk. Because you know she was thinking to herself, that doggone Penina. I got her on my mind too. Even though she praying on, you know she had this woman on her mind. Because this woman has been tormenting her day in and day out. But also now she can satisfy the cultural norms that's putting pressure on her. Amen. Cultural norms that put pressure on mothers today. Amen. On putting pressure on women today to do this and that because the culture says it. Not necessarily because the Bible says it. So she's dealing with all these and God blessed her. Amen. And now we see here, amen, in verse 22 that she's going to follow through. God is pleased by those who faithfully follow through. Verse 22, but Hannah did not go up. For she said to her husband, that's Elkanah, not until the child is weaned. First of all, Hannah has not forgotten, amen. She has not forgotten her promise to God. And so there's this time, amen, where Hannah is doing her motherly duty, amen, to prepare the child to be ready to go out on his own. Mothers, you got a monumental mountain of a task, amen, to raise your children up so that they're ready, hallelujah, to go out on their own. Because the reality is that the children that you raise are going to grow up, amen, if the Lord allows, to be adults. And then they're going to go on their own. Amen. Some of them may get married. Some of them may move away on jobs and careers. But you have that time. That time to train up a child in the way it should go. And when it is old, it will not depart from it. Uh, uh, the text says, and, and, and he, she says, not until the child is weaned. See, there's a time that mama got to be close. Amen. Mama, mama can't just let the kids go anywhere and everywhere they want to go at five. Amen. But, but we live in a society now that a lot of kids are raising themselves. Amen. I don't know where mama is, but I know I see the kids walking down the road about this high all by themselves. But that's not God's plan, y'all. Ain't never been God's plan. So if anybody's to understand God's plan, it has to be the church. 
Amen. And that's why it's the mountain called motherhood. Because most, most, most likely some of these mothers have just thrown up their hands and says, this is too hard. I'm working all night and I'm trying to get sleep in the day. Who knows? And then they're trying to find their way out of trouble, amen, by trying to solve their condition. Who knows what they're trying to do to find solace all the time, have that responsibility of a child, amen. That's why it's not a hill, it's a mountain, amen. So you got this situation, amen, where there's this time period where, where Hannah is, is, is getting Samuel ready. Not only is she feeding him and watching him and making sure that he grows, changing his, his cloth, amen, and putting on a new one, amen, but I believe that Hannah is also teaching him the word. I, I believe that this this crucial time in the child's life, Deacon Johnson, that, he, that the child needs to know something about the word of God. It's a good time for that child to be, to be a, like a sponge and get the word. That's why mothers of the, of the word of God have to teach their children the word. Amen. When you come in and when you go. Amen. He said, when you go out and when you come in, says the law, because it's in that time, it's crucial to get the word in them. Amen. While they're just like sponges. They don't have all these inhibitions. They don't have all these blocks of getting into uh, them from the world. Amen. All the cultural things and the evil of this world that blocks their minds to being able to receive. You got to get them young. And so she said, not until he's weaned. The mountain called motherhood. That caused her to have to do some sacrificing. Amen. She couldn't go any and everywhere she wanted to go. She had to stay by her child. She had to make sure her child was in conditions so that he could grow and he could have good success. It takes slowing down and being in one place to make sure that there is a, a safe place. There is a, a place of solace. There is a place that solidifies where the child knows that I can always go. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Amen. But Hannah realized, amen, that Samuel one day was going to have to go. Today, sometimes the child don't seem like they want to go. They've come of age, amen, but they're still hanging around. And then that, that, that brings up a new problem, amen, don't it? Because it's hard when a whole lot of grown folks is in the same house. I don't know if it's like that in China. I don't know if it's like that in Egypt. But I know in the United States of America, amen, Brother James, too many grown folks in the house cause a whole lot of trouble. Because the mom and daddy got one set of rules. Now the child grown and they think they can set rules in their house. See, then it's time for them to go. So that's a whole new set of problems, amen. But at some point, amen, the children have to grow up. Go. They, they got to go. They got to build their own families. They got, but while they're in that weaning period, while in that time before they are weaned, it's that mountain of a monumental task that the mother has to do while she has time to infuse them with the word of God, to teach them how to be right, to teach them ethics, to teach them how to say thank you, to teach them how to say excuse me, to teach them how to just get it together, to be able to follow the, the right way of society, but also, most importantly, 
no godly principles. Amen. Now look at the text. Look at the text, Deacon Johnson. Not until the child is well, and then look what she says. Then I will take him. Lord, have mercy. That he may appear before the Lord and remain there forever. You know what? Sometimes, 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 amen, the kids, when it's time for them to get on their launching pad, they still don't know how to fly. Am I right about it? They, they don't, they, I, it's time, amen, but they still don't know how to fly. See, that's where mothers come in. They got to get up there on the thing and kind of help them with the instrumentation and kind of work with them and maybe give them little test runs and stuff so they can get ready. Amen. Amen. Because they got to fly. Like the birds, the bird, the mother bird kicking the, the, the baby birds out. You know, they're, they're kind of fluttering and they're fluttering a little more. And they, well, I ain't really got it. But then after a while, they're on their way. So you, you might have to just not throw them out the house. You might just kind of come alongside them and help them with some of the beginning adulthoods. And you know what? It, it may go past the launching pad. It, it most likely will, even when they get out there. Amen. They, they, some of them going off to college or maybe moving to another town. Amen. For work. Amen. They still going to have questions because a child will never know more than his parents. It don't matter how long they live. Amen. Amen. They will not know because you're always ahead of them in learning. And somehow God's got this fixed where the parent will be wiser than the child. Amen. And so you're going to get calls and you're going to need to be able to answer questions as they grow. As they're grown, they're still going to be learning. I will take him unto the Lord. You, you, you still got to work with them. You still got to keep the godly thing in front of them even as they begin into adulthood. Because some of those things that they heard of you when they were a child, it didn't make sense. But as they go through the issues of life, amen, and I know y'all can say that with me, that's some things your mothers have told you that you didn't understand as a child, but you understand now. Amen. And some of them you like, what did mother say about this? And thank God for some of them to have their mothers to be able to call them and say, you know what, I remember you said something about this. Now, what was that you said? How should I do that? Now it becomes even more real. She takes him to the Lord. Still teaching. Still teaching. Now watch the text. Look, 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 y'all. Look at the text. I will take him that he may appear before the Lord and remain there forever. This mountain called motherhood. She working hard, Sister Bond, to make sure that when she leaves Samuel, he can stand on his own. That he will realize that the auspices of his mother's house has switched the auspices of God. Now, I don't know about you, amen, but at this point in my life where I no longer have father nor mother, amen, I realize that 
I have to depend on God completely. I can't pick up the phone and call mama or call daddy now. I got to take what they gave me, amen, and get with the Lord, and Lord, bring back those things that was taught to me through them by you, amen, and act them out, amen. I, I, I got to remain with the Lord now forever. I can't go back to the house. I can't take my stuff and move back in and say, can we start this process all over again? Am I right about it? I got to run with the Lord now forever. Amen. And that is that mountain, mothers, that you got to do while you got time. You, you can't wait another minute, another second, another hour to do it. You got to do it now because your time is short. You can't worry about doing that time where I need to go here and I need to go there where somebody else need to do this and because I, I want to do that. No, this is your time. Those who have little children, this is your time to stay with them and teach them because one day you're going to have plenty of time to go there and here because your kids going to be gone where they want to go. Amen? Amen. Stay with them. Sacrifice now so that they can remain with the Lord forever. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm through now. Amen. I think I done said enough. Amen. Hopefully uh, there's something been said today. Amen. That uh, will help the mothers along the way. Because some folks saying, well, uh, Pastor, you ain't no mother. How in the world? Well, I tell you what. There's one thing that I do share in common with a mother, and that is I am a parent. So there has been some sleepless nights. Amen. There, there has been some worrying. There has been some long travels down some dangerous highways and byways for my children. Amen. Praise the Lord. But I can never be what a mother is to their child. Amen. And that's all right. But I know their responsibility is in a way that mine is not. But we share parenting. And I know for me as well, it is a mountain. But I would be uh, remiss, saints of God, if I would leave without talking about Jesus. You know we can't get out of here with talking about the one who hung, bled, and died for you and me. We can't stop talking about the one who said, let us make man in our image. Because we find out that, that he made man, but he also made woman. And that the woman and the man together build the image of God. So we find that Jesus is a father to the fatherless, but he's also a mother to the motherless. Amen. Because he's got it all in his hand. He, he, he could nurture. Jesus said in one place, he said, I, Israel, oh Israel, if you had just Return to me. I would be like a hen is to her chicks. I would bring you up under my wing. He is a mother to the motherless. But that same Jesus, he saw beyond their faults and he saw their needs. Mothers, you got to see beyond your children's faults and see their needs. Even though they rejected him, even though they scandalized his name, I found out that he still found himself in a place of, of torment, amen, for you and for me. Even though they said we don't need you and we don't need that Jesus. Even though one of his own disciples, Judas, 
transgressed against him, sold him for a few pieces of silver. Amen. Amen. Who walked with him for three years. Undoubtedly, he fed him and he taught him and he, he took care of him. And at the end of the world road, he betrayed him. But Jesus didn't quit. Sometimes your kids might say some things to you that they ain't got no business saying. And at that time, they might get their bottom side tanned at that time. But you still got to love them. Amen. You still got to be able to pray, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You still got to look beyond their faults and see their needs. Jesus looked beyond our faults. <laughs> because we talk about how bad they were in that day. I believe if it had been in our day, we'd have done the same thing. We'd have said, crucify him and give us Barabbas. Because that nature is falling away from God. There is none righteous, no, not one. All have gone astray. None have sought him. Amen. They were helpless and they were lost in their transgression and sin. Amen. But God still looked beyond their faults and saw their need. He kept on praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. Even when the Romans came and got him, he could have called a legion of angels, but he didn't. He went with them and he went from kangaroo court to kangaroo court. He went before that kangaroo court of Annas to the kangaroo court of Caiaphas. From there to the kangaroo court of the Sanhedrin. Then he went over to Pilate with his crazy self and then to that fox Herod and back to Pilate. Pilate tried to wash his hands but there was something Jesus had to do. That Pilate was too much of a coward to do on his own. So Jesus kept on marching. He didn't say a mumbling word. He was like a sheep before his shearers. And I found out that they marched him down the Via Della Rosa with a cross on his back. The cross that was for me and for you. But he didn't stop there. I found out that along the way, that the manhood fell down, amen, but the spirit stood up. They went on out to the outside of the walls of Jerusalem. They went out to that place that we affectionately call Calvary's Mountain. They put nails in his hands and they put nails in his feet. But he didn't say a, a mumbling word. Because Jesus had already said in the 6th chapter of John, If I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. They made the mistake of lifting him up, and he's been drawing ever since. He stayed on that cross from the 3rd to the ninth hour, and then he died. But that's not the end of the story. They took him down off that old ugly cross. And they put him in a moral tomb. He was in that tomb all night Friday. He was in that tomb all day Saturday. He was in that tomb all night Saturday night. But the
open. Amen. The doors of the church are open. There may be somebody here, amen, on this Mother's Day that needs to get the mother of Jesus Christ today. Need to get him in their hearts. The Lord ask him to forgive them of their sins and load up their hearts with the new spirits. Hallelujah. Because there is a leak in this old building. And my soul is got to move. It's got to move. There's a leak in your building too. And one of these days, it's got to move. There's a leak.
everlasting Father. Lord, we thank you for all that we have seen on today. Lord, thank you for a time of praise, prayer, and the proclamation of the word. Lord, thank you for filling our seats and our hearts with praise that we lift up only hands and acknowledge you as the only begotten. Acknowledge the Father as the one who's above everything. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you for the many blessings that you bestow on the life of these, your people. And Lord, we ask that you continue. Lord, we ask that you go before us and lead us and guide us through danger seen and unseen, through witnessing and through evangelism and through standing as ambassadors for your darling son, Jesus. Father, keep us because we can't keep ourselves. And Lord, as we prepare our hearts to give, Lord, let us give cheerfully and abundantly because we realize that we cannot beat you giving no matter how hard we try. But Lord, thank you for giving us the opportunity to try just a little bit. Because Master, we find joy in giving unto you because we know that when we give unto you, you give oh so much more. So we get happy on the inside, Master, in the name of Jesus. And Lord, continue to bless the officers and the leaders of this church, oh God, as we embark on the new ministries, the youth ministries, and the things that God, you are touching us to get ready to do. Lord, bless us, Master, in the way that only you know how. So, Master, we ask these things in the blessed name of Jesus. As we go from this place to our prospective homes, into dinner tables and restaurants and other locations, Master, keep us in perfect peace until we meet again. We love you so much because you first loved us. These things we ask in the blessed name of Jesus Christ. In the saving name of Jesus Christ. In the keeping name of Jesus Christ. We ask these things and the whole church saying, Amen. Amen. God bless you and God keep you. Please be seated and obey the ushers. Amen. Amen.